Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Chili! Chili, 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 chili! Cold! Colder than a mother-in-law's glare, if you ask me. Layers on, layers off, right? Wouldn't it wax on, wax off? Ah, it's layers on, layers off. I'm a layers off type of guy. Give me the heat. Get out of here, man. You made your point. Blow on out of Duval. Unbelievable today. Uh, I think this is the first time I've worn a a long-sleeve jersey. Or sweatshirt, or whatever you call it, uh, here in the studio. I know Warren Brooks the other day is like, oh my God, look at Baloo. I think this is the first time I've ever seen him in pants in this building. And she may have been correct. I'm one of those who I'm going to go through life kind of like Jimmy Buffett. If I can get away with a t shirt, pair of shorts, and flip flops, that's it. Four pieces of clothing, that's it. T shirt, shorts, a left flip. And a right flip. That's one, two, three, four. Love it. Live it. It's the Florida way. And today is anything but, but it's a hell of a lot worse all throughout our country. So anyway, some of you like it, right? You get to put on those sweaters and those sweatshirts and and dress yourself up. But uh, not me. Not a fan. That is for sure. All right. We got a lot to do here tonight over the next two hours. Really looking forward to the program. Dave Wydell coming up in a bit, always very opinionated. Uh, Dave's a guy that that I want to talk to about several things, including the very soft, softest puppy poo offensive line uh, this, that this Jaguar football team once again uh, employed. Uh, can't run, can't stop the run. The ditch, it's a problem. And it has to be priority number one to get fixed or at least – you know, the next thing that needs to be fixed after you decide what you want to do with Josh Allen. Uh, That has to be the subject. That has to be what this football team tries to fix more than anything else. And we keep hearing culture. You know, let me tell you about culture, all right? When you're in politics, well, people lie, right? I mean, that's just par for the course in politics. And no matter where you go and what you hear, we're going to, you know, we're going to lower taxes and you get all that. But you always hear about hard work, right? We got to work harder. It's going to take a lot of grit. It's going to take a lot of hard work. That's what you get in politics. And in football, whenever there's a coaching change, whether it's college or pro, it's culture. We got to change the culture, man. We got people walking around here. They can't wait to get out of the building. 
instead of first one in, last one out, is last one in, first one out, right? I mean, it's changing of the culture. And that's what you get no matter where you're at when it comes to sports. Have you ever had a guy get fired and just simply say, he was terrible, he was a mistake, it didn't work, we're going in a different direction? Uh Uh-uh. It's thank you for your service here, we appreciate it. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. We brought in the exact opposite type of coach. And the first thing he's going to do is change that culture. All right, Doug Peterson did change the culture around here. If you really go back and look at it, this was obviously a long-term plan. Now, it's been sped up, dare I say, by success. And success for this franchise is 9-8. and 9-8 eight. and eight in consecutive years. We're talking about Shad Khan. The guy's 60 and 135 as an owner. That's a losing owner. That's a losing franchise. 60 and 135. I mean, do the math. Think of how many games Jacksonville is going to have to go 12 and 5 or 13 and 4 or 11 and 6 just to get over 500. They're 60 and 135. So the culture changed when Doug Peterson got here. He brought a winning flavor to this city. But he did it with a long-term plan, right? A never-before offensive coordinator in this league. A never-before defensive coordinator in this league. A never-before special teams coach in this league. A highly sought-after Offensive line coach with one year under his belt as the main guy. Always the assistant offensive line coach. So that's how he built it. And Bulky did a nice job in free agency, particularly a couple of years ago. The draft has really struggled outside of the Urban Meyer year. We're all aware of that. Okay? They're not producing their players. That's a big part of all of this. But again, look at your starting point. The complaints now are about a 9 and 8 team. Not a 4 and 12 team, not a 1 and 15 team, a 9 and 8 team. So there is improvement and obviously you as the fans, your expectations have totally changed and that's fair. This past season should have been all about Jacksonville. You have four rookie quarterbacks in the division, make that three, the elder statesman obviously is Trevor Lawrence. You had franchises in the AFC South that were in flux. It was considered probably as far as a dysfunctional division, absolute one in the NFL, top 1A in the NFL. And look, we saw it right in front of our eyes. We saw what happened in Houston. We saw what happened in Indianapolis, even though Anthony Richardson went down. Tennessee, yeah, they, and, and that's maybe the best part of all this, is that Tennessee, thankfully, has said goodbye uh, to Mike Vrabel. So the culture has changed. They've learned how to win. They've probably gotten ahead a little bit of the original plan. That, that's the way that I'm looking at this now with Shad Khan. Again, if you're Shad Khan and all you do is lose here, not in his business world, he's a multi-billionaire. I mean, this guy's incredible with what he does. But when you look at the numbers and you lose year after 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 year, lose, 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 all of a sudden a couple of nine and eight teams, you know what, it's not that bad around here, is it? 
We're making money. Ratings are up. Advertising is up. Ticket sales are up. Okay. You know, we collapsed at the end of the year, lost five out of six, but it's still, you made money, right? In, in the business world, you cast, uh, you cashed uh, te- uh, checks. So perhaps that's the most important part of all this. Uh, I wish I knew more. Un- un- unfortunately um, for you, you know, our job is to bring you the news, bring you the stories. The players, the coaches, the owners. Uh, we happen to cover a team that is the least transparent team in pro football. They don't talk, okay? They don't talk. You can release a statement saying, hey, we're excited about playing in London. What a great day. But they don't talk. Trent Pelkey doesn't talk. Will we talk before the Combine? I don't know. He usually does. Doug Peterson talked, and it ended up not being true. (laughs) I mean, three hours later, Mike Caldwell and the defensive staff was gone after he said, I need time to evaluate everything. So, yeah, your head is spinning, and I get it. And, and, you know, I'm... I, I'm with you on this. I I do. I, I wish that in a one-horse town, they would take it upon themselves to say, let's deliver a message to the fans. Let's tell them what we're thinking about here. Let's tell them what went good, what did not go good, what needs to be changed. But no, they're, they're huddling in a bunker, and right now they're, you know, it's called due diligence, right? We're going to bring in... Wink Martindale, we're going to bring in Marquand Manuel, um, we're going to bring in Ryan Nielsen, more due diligence. They've prevented the block now from Atlanta, so they're able to bring him in. Only one year as a defensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons. And you know what? They don't have to tell anyone anything. They don't. If they were smart, they would. But they don't have to tell anyone anything. Instead, leave us guessing. Put us in a situation where we're going to predict who the next defensive coordinator is. We're going to predict whose contracts they are going to flat out say goodbye to. We are going to predict if they're going to pick up the fifth-year option on Trevor Lawrence and on Travis Etienne. We're going to predict if they put a franchise tag on Calvin Ridley. A franchise tag on Calvin Ridley? But, Lou, why would you even say that? I mean, Calvin Ridley doesn't even run the right routes. You can't put a franchise tag on him. If you do that, you know what that means? That means he doesn't practice. (laughs) What was the most popular word with this franchise in 2023? Miscommunication. Oh, that's going to work. Franchise tag Calvin Ridley. Don't let him practice in the month of August. Yeah, let's sign up for that right now. So, again. And, and this is what they're doing. This is why they're paid the big bucks. This is why they're huddled up and they're doing everything that they can to try to figure out what is next for the Jacks. I feel for you. I mean, I'm never, ever going to be a loss for words. Whether I get something from them or I get nothing from them, it has no bearing on what I do here each and every night. I just wish you got a little something. You got a little trinket. You got a little nugget. Because it's only been two weeks. Actually, it's been a week and three days. And every day that goes by, 
Jaguar football is going to be injected into your veins and arteries that much more. For all of those who said, that's it, I'm done. And you know who you are. Uh Uh-uh. It's mid-January. Wait till it's mid-February. Wait wait till it's mid-March. Heck, we're 99 days away from the NFL draft. Wait till draft time. All right? And then May and June and July. By the time August rolls around, you'll be fully back in. You can't fool me with that. I've heard that forever. The I'm not coming back because Bulky's here, or I'm not coming back because the no, no, no one sticks to that. You're all going to come back. And I think Shad Khan knows that. I think the smart people over in the Jaguars building know that, and they're aware of that. I, I, I still wish that there was a little bit more, though, uh, through them to give to you. Hey, you know, let's look on a positive here. Maybe you'll get to hear from Trent Bulky. Uh, at the scouting combine. And then hopefully you'll get to hear from Trent Bulky. you know, what is it, typically the, uh, the Thursday before the week of the draft when we get an opportunity uh, to speak with him. For right now, it just really does become a situation where you're trying to figure out what is next for this team. Culture has changed. It's better. Now it needs to change again. The biggest part of the culture with this organization is about becoming tough, physically imposing, the will to knock the guy on the other side of the scrimmage to his backside. And this team has not been able to do that. This team is weak, and it has to change. I'm seeing re-sign Ezra Cleveland, re-sign Cam, redo his deal. Bring back Brandon Sher- I'm like, are, are, are you kidding me? Jacksonville can't even run third and one, third and two, fourth and one. They can't move anyone in front of them. It's time for new bodies. And that's going to be my outline this entire offseason. I looked at some of the mock drafts that are already out. You know, Brugler had one yesterday. Oh, Jag fans, you're going to love this. You know why you're going to love it? Because it's a skill position guy, right? 17th pick overall, LSU, um, a wide receiver. And, and immediately, my blood starts literally boiling. I'm like, are you kidding? Are they going to go back to a skill position guy? Well, hey, Baloo, since Trent, you know, since Trent Bucky's been here, they've drafted what? Two wide receivers? Parker Washington and Jalen Camp. They need to draft a wide receiver. Okay. In the normal setting, I'd agree with that because this organization drafts linebacker after linebacker after tweener, defensive end linebacker, and and they do it pick after pick after pick after pick. And a running back at a tight end, the second and third round, which becomes fringe picks. Instead of addressing dire needs within this organization, they've really handicapped themselves where you have to get offensive in defensive linemen. Those should be your picks. Not wide receivers, not corners. That's where you have to go. And that is what I'm going to be talking about this entire offseason. That has to be the focus in free agency. That has to be the focus in the NFL draft. So that's what's next for Doug Peterson and his ongoing culture change. Make this more of a man's team, right? I mean, this is like a pickleball team. This is like a, 
an, uh, you know, this is like a beer league softball team when you go inside the line of scrimmage. Don't, don't you want that? I mean, you can tell me about Evan Ingram and Christian Kirk, and you can tell me about uh, Foyer Alucan, and, and, and you can tell me, um, you know, how great it is with Travis. It, it, wouldn't it be great to have a, a tough team? You know, a man's team. Dave Wydell's coming up in just a couple of minutes. That was a group that was a man's team. That club was identified by the offensive line with Wydell, Baselli, and Cersei, and Ben Coleman, and DeMarco, and Tilski. That was the definition of that team. You got guys on the ring. You got Baselli. You got Brunel. You got Jimmy Smith. You've got Fred Taylor. You had other great players like Keenan McCardell and Kevin Hardy and, and Tony Brackens and Aaron Beasley. Yeah, great players. But the team's identity and the culture was the tough offensive line. That is what this city needs. Say it after me. They're never going to win until they get a tough, physical, offensive, and Defensive line. Opening comments brought to you by Schmunez Vision. Tonight and every night, located out at the beach, they're a family organization. They focus on personal high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, all refractive surgery. Combined, that's more than 30 years' worth of experience when it comes to laser eye surgery. Check them out online. Just go to schmunezvision.com. Everything is right there for you to see. Whether it's for you, your family, your grandparents, your grandkids, it doesn't matter. You need to be able to trust the best in town when it comes to your eyes and your eyesight. Go to schmunezvision.com. Dave Wydell kicks it off right here on a Wednesday edition. I am Rick Ballou. This is Into the Night. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. All right, the Philly Godfather is going to join us in about 20 minutes. We'll check each and every matchup where the money is gone early on this week. Of course, the divisional round of the playoffs coming up Saturday and Sunday. Right now, let's bring in a former Jag, Dave Wydell. 11 years in the NFL, including right here as a center for your Jacksonville Jaguars. He goes into the night with Rick Ballou. Hello, Dave. Hi, Rick. Good to hear from you. I am uh, hanging out. Here on a beautiful night at the beach at Salt Life Food Shack, you should be sitting right here next to me with a beer right now. Yeah, man, yeah, it sounds like a real good time. Give me about an hour and 35 minutes, and, uh, <laughs> I'll and I'll meet you <laughs> Hey, and, and, and let me say this. Chestnut Hill, I grew up about 15 minutes away from there. This may be the coldest day of the year here in Duval, but I'd much rather be here than Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. I'll tell you what, I, I bet you Mike Caldwell wishes uh, that he were still here enjoying uh, northern Florida. Um, but uh, there's some wonderful things about Jacksonville. The greatest things are the fact that people have been here since 1995, saw some awfully good football when Tom Coughlin was here, saw a little bit of football with uh, Jack Del Rio, and saw a flash in the pan last year when uh, Trevor Lawrence decided to play the second half of last year in 22 and flash, get leading his team to the playoffs, then deciding uh, to take off the second half of 2023. 
you think that that would have gotten or put pressure on the offensive staff, but Dougie P's staff didn't get touched other than the Parmalee and uh, Angulo mm-hmm. firings. The defense has paid the price. Don't know uh, exactly whether uh, they deserved it, but I do know this. When you finish down at the bottom of the league in the standings and your defense didn't help Trevor Lawrence and the offense throughout the last five or six games, someone had to pay the price, and that's what happened, and here we are. Do we have a defensive coordinator yet? No. The due diligence is ongoing, several interviews, and, you know, let's start there. It, it was Mike Caldwell who was, who was shown the door. What do you believe, Dave? What's, what's next? What direction should Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke go to bring in a defensive coordinator? Well, I, th- I don't think Doug Peterson made the decision to fire the defensive staff. I think that was determined by uh, the ownership and Trent Baalke. Do you agree? Well, I, I do based on when he spoke with us at 3.30, he said uh-huh. he needed time to go through it and decide, and then less than three hours after the fact, the decision came down that those coaches were gone. So, yeah, it kind of feels as though that is the case. I think it's a reasonable assumption that Dougie P, who doesn't like to fire anyone on his staff, was told by Trent Baalke that someone had to be sacrificed, and Peterson was not sacrificing Press Taylor who the media, uh, yourself, and others felt probably should get the blame for Trevor Lawrence's and the offense's uh, lack of production in the second half of the year. But here we are. uh, We have an entire defensive staff that we have to replace. There are many candidates out there, and I think the Nielsen Nielsen guy from Atlanta, who now uh, all the Atlanta assistants, um, who were still under contract are now allowed to speak to anyone that asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would tell me that after Bill Belichick went down there and other head coaching candidates, they said, we're going to clean house. I want all my own guys. So cut these guys loose. Nielsen uh, turned around a defense in Atlanta. There's no doubt about that. You've seen the numbers. Um, but the, there's other guys out there who they will not be able to interview for a while. And, um, you know, I, I know what this defense needs. Here, let me go over this. There are two types of defensive coordinators. There's a defensive coordinator uh, that tries to be a nice guy with his defense, mm-hmm. hardly ever raises his voice, et cetera. Uh, but I'll tell you what, the best defensive coordinators I've ever seen were guys that raised their voice behind closed doors with their defense, and they seem to get a whole lot out of those players. I think this defense bought in the, bought into their press clippings. I think this defense thought that they were going to coast to the playoffs. And I think this defense, uh, with whatever leadership, I don't know if there was any leadership from the coaching staff, and I certainly don't know where the leadership was coming from on the field. I mean, I understand that, boy, Aluakon made a lot of tackles. I know that Josh Allen had 16 sacks, and a third of those were missed assignments when being unblocked. I'm not sure who can lead that defense. So that means we need a very, very strong voice at defensive coordinator, someone who may even be familiar. Joe Cullen's going to be out there once the Kansas City Chiefs are eliminated Mm -hmm. this weekend. And I wouldn't mind seeing a Joe Cullen type guy come back here. 
very, very vocal, very aggressive with his guys. But at the end of the day, his guys played for him. Uh, he didn't chastise his players, but I think he motivated them to get the most out of him. And this defense has to come a long way in a short period of time. It'll be his third trip here to Jacksonville if that was to happen for Joe Cullen. Of course, we're talking about Dave Wydell, the Jaguars' defensive coordinator position. The interviews continue. I liked what you said behind closed doors, you know, getting tougher uh, with these guys. Uh, I look at a guy like Wink Martindale, who's pretty outspoken and has had some issues with, with other coaches. Dave, can you do that today? It, it, it feels like if you're not a player's coach today and if you are rough uh, and, and, and out, uh, you know, outlandish or, or you say things that can ruffle feathers, you, you better have some Lombardi trophies to show for it. Uh, can you still coach that way today in, in what we have in the NFL? Certainly much different from when you play. Rick, that's a great, great question, but here's what I see. I see the personality that Dougie P has and Press Taylor and other coaches on offense. you got to have one screamer on the staff. And I know that Mike Caldwell wasn't that. And when no. you put that together uh, with how they had to coddle this team and bring them back from the abyss that Urban Meyer left here, this place was in shambles. And, yes, you are absolutely correct. In today's NFL, you can't be a screamer. You can't have two screamers leading the team, especially with a team and a locker room that had to be uh, brought back to life. But now, after what has transpired here, Mm -hmm. Doug Peterson's job is on the line with his offense and Press Taylor. They sacrifice the defense right now to take the focus off a poorly, poorly productive quarterback and offense, and now the defense is going to need the screamer. Like I said, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be um, in front of the in front of the cameras, but it does have to be a guy who's going to be very, very serious. I mean, Joe Cullen got Chris Jones to play at a higher level. I mean, if you're looking for guys that can take talented guys and we do have a handful of very talented guys on defense but they certainly didn't play anywhere near the potential certainly nowhere near what we needed Mm -hmm. just to get a few wins in the final third of the season right um you're going to need a special guy and what i think it's going to be is two special guys i'd like to see a very strong leader and a defensive coordinator but you know what i think is going to be the most important thing you've got to have a passing defensive coordinator. I know guys that are on the list that they're interviewing are, are fulfilling those positions on other teams. Right. Uh, you know, let's say it were Joe Cullen. You need a guy that knows his secondaries and knows how to cover people and certainly will find a way to get our secondary to figure out their assignments and not let people run free like we saw all year from game one. A couple of passing game coordinators who have either interviewed or will interview include Chris Hewitt with the Ravens, Chris Harris with the Tennessee Titans. Final couple of minutes with Dave Wydell. All right, Dave, forever I've always been about the offensive line. That was the identity of this football team uh, when it came into fruition and had the success that they had in the 90s. That, that has been sorely lacking. Um, as far as we know right now, the only guarantee for 2024 – is starting right tackle Anton Harrison. Anton Harrison. He had a great year, Rick. He had an outstanding 
outstanding year, and there's so many other question marks. And you had a center who came in and had an, a stellar year in 2022 and was absolutely a liability mm-hmm. this year. I mean, I know Dave Widell had problems blocking guys that were 6'2 and 340 pounds in the run game, but I'll tell you what, we blocked people in the pass game, and what I see every week, and Leon Searcy will back me up on this, and so will our Hall of Famer Tony Vaselli. Our guys don't block anybody in the pass game. Our guys do not punch and grab shirts. It's ridiculous the fact that our guys allow guys to re- uh, uh, to to have so much momentum in getting to the quarterback that we never actually fully stop their momentum. Our centers and our interior were absolutely awful this year. Sheriff uh, ought to retire. He ought to resign right now. Uh, we'll find another guard, but Antoine Harrison was a great upgrade from Jawan Taylor, who is the highest-paid bust in free agency from two years ago. Do you bring back Cam Robinson, or do you bring back seventeen million seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to use it elsewhere? It's hard to replace left tackles. Walker Little didn't show me enough uh, for me to be confident that we should not bring back Cam. I think Cam has to be here, but I think he gets accolades that he doesn't deserve. Mm. Um, coaching, you know, we've had this conversation with that uh, trilogy that I just mentioned between Vaselli, myself, and Leon. Um, offensive Mike Mazur, our ah. former offensive line coach who coached me at Boston College. He wouldn't yell. For Ma- Tom. Mike Mazur wouldn't yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike would scream at you, but you know what? He helped you become a better player. I don't see this offensive line coach, at least to this point, helping these guys become better. I see bad habits that continue. I see a lack of toughness. I see a lack of wanting to hit people other than, uh, other than Cam Robinson, and he, uh, he draws too many fouls because of his uh, – of his over-aggressiveness that is misdirected. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, there's more to blame on this team than the defensive staff and Bernie Parmalee. Um, Like I said, I don't like what I'm seeing on the offensive line, and yes, I notice everything on the offensive line, but you can't replace five guys. No. You've got to go out and get more help. You're going to have to go out and get a guard, and you're going to have to figure out what you're, uh, what you're going to do on the interior because Sheriff, uh, I'm not bringing him back at his cap number. You're going to have to take the hit. Uh, I would bring back Cam Robinson. Um, this team is further away from where they thought they were, they were uh, at the beginning of the year. And now what's happened is questions are surrounding the guy that has to be, has to be the most important cog in the wheel, and that is Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Let me just say one thing about Trevor Lawrence, and Tony Baselli would, uh, would, uh, would agree with this. You're not a tough guy in the NFL if you play dings and you cost your team games, no matter what your wife says. <laughs> wow. All right, very there good. There you go. Dave Wydell, leave us with this because I have always – Wondered this more than anything, and it's why I talk to offensive linemen as, as, as much as I do anyone else because I, I don't always understand the blocking scheme. Is it the lack of talent 
on the Jaguars' offensive line, or is the scheme of of, of zone runs, gap, gap, whatever it is, is the scheme not correct? Which one is it? Uh, schemes have to be matched to the talent on the team, okay? I don't know how you fall off from what you did in 22 to 23, but they did. Uh, so someone is not improving. If, if I didn't improve every single year, I would not have remained in this league. Tony Baselli improved every year that he played until he got hurt. I see no improvement in any of the five guys on that line, although I am proud of Antoine Harrison and his performance this year because I blame, I blame the coaching staff as well. Mm. I blame the offensive line coach not helping his guys get better, and they ought to demand that. That's where I'm going to leave it. A lot of problems. I'm, uh, my family and I are still huge Jaguar fans, but I'll tell you what, uh, I don't like what I saw this year and this team, especially with this ongoing negotiation uh, with the new stadium, they needed to win this year, and they didn't. And I even think the owner is unhappy with, uh, very unhappy uh, with the ramifications of this, of this, uh, of this, um, uh, blow, this blowing up of the 2023 season when we should have sailed into the playoffs after starting eight and three. Yeah. There's more to blame than just the defensive staff, but we'll leave it at that for now. Dave, always a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rick. Bye. There he goes, Dave Wydell. How about that? <laughs> very, very interesting. 641-1010 if you want to respond on our text line. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. We'll definitely get back to that. We'll also check the money on the big four games coming up in the divisional round of the playoffs with our good buddy, the Philly Godfather. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Pretty tough to believe we only have seven football games remaining. For this weekend, Championship Sunday, and of course, the Super Bowl should be an interesting one, though. Coming up this weekend, two teams off the bye in both Baltimore and San Francisco. They'll both play on Saturday. Let's bring in our good friend. He is the Philly Godfather to take a look at each and every one of the four divisional matchups. Philly Godfather, how you been? Good, man. Thanks for asking. It's amazing how fast the season goes by. You wait so long for it to start, and then boom, <laughs> playoffs and Super Bowls right around the corner. Yeah, it's uh, it comes and it goes pretty quick. Uh, you know, I guess the good thing about the way that the NFL does it is they keep their fans involved year-round. But, yeah, those who want games, it, it is. It's beginning to, uh, to trickle away. All right, it's Houston who's in. A lot of people thought it was going to be Jacksonville who was in. We know what happened. Texans – Again, just a dynamic offensive effort, and now they go and got to play outdoors, cold weather against a team coming off a bye. You're feeling on Houston at Baltimore. Uh, the price on this matchup originally opened up Baltimore minus 9.5, and, and it's been bouncing back and forth in the market all week from 9.5 to 9. Now it's back to 9.5, so it's basically painted uh, on your screen, 9.5 everywhere. Uh, the total, however, has seen a, about a three-point dip from the opener of 46.5 down to 43.5, where it's currently at. So there's definitely some real sharp money that went under the total here. 
when it comes to the bet splits in the market, offshore and in Vegas, as of right now, the public is in love with this Texans team, which uh, surprised me a little bit. As of right now, 70% of the uh, tickets uh, written are on uh, the Houston Texans here, and that's a little surprising to me. Uh, but when it comes to handicapping this match, I'm trying to win some money. I mean, C.J. Stroud and the Texans, they sur- surprised so many people this season, and they played some great football. But this Ravens team, I mean, they're, they're extremely tough at home. Baltimore 7-2 at home this season with 153-point differential in the year. I mean, John Harbaugh's team, they've been cashing checks at Bank Stadium all year. They average margin of victory, 17 points at home. I mean, it's, it's incredible how good this defense is. Uh, the Ravens are the healthiest they've been all season. I think they get their tight end back, Mark Andrews, here as well. Uh, and their defense, like I said, it's unreal. It ranks number two overall in opponent yards for play, number one in opponent yards for pass attempt, number two in sack percentage, number two in red zone defense. Rick, I like uh, I like the Ravens here in the first half, minus six and a half. I like them full game, minus nine. I use them in a couple of different teaser combinations, tease them down to two and a half. I like, uh, I like the Ravens here. I mean, if you look at the Texans on the road this year, mediocre, four and four on the road this season negative 14-point differential, and they only played one team with a winning record away from NRG Stadium this year, which was Baltimore in week one, and they got killed. They couldn't even score a touchdown. They scored. Uh, they kicked three field goals in that one. They lost 25-9. to nine. I like the Ravens here. I think they won this game. All right, very interesting stuff. Six and a half first half, nine overall. You're playing them in a couple of teasers as well. Baltimore off the bye. Again, a young quarterback trying to win on the road. That is the case for C.J. Stroud. That'll be the case as well for Jordan Love. That is the second matchup on Saturday as Green Bay goes to San Francisco. Yet another team coming off a bye. Yeah, this game's painted San Fran nine and a half everywhere. A couple spots went to 10 during the week, but some sharp money gobbled that up quickly on the Packers, man. They took the 10 fast. The total hasn't seen any movement at all. It's still 50, 50, 50 and a half, 51, depending on where you shop. Uh, The early public money, surprisingly, is on the Packers here. 65% of the tickets written. Offshore and in Vegas or on Green Bay. Uh, Rick, I, I think the Packers can hang around here. Uh, the red zone defense. I mean, they're, they're ranked 12th in red zone defense while the 49ers are ranked 15th in that metric. They've been playing some good football, you know, to finish the season. Uh, Matt LaFleur's team is the healthier one going into this matchup with a plus four SIC health score better than the 49ers. And since week 12, like I said, they've played some really good football. They're 6 and 2. They got a plus 54 point differential with three quality wins over the Chiefs, Lions, and we all witnessed what they did to the Cowboys last week. If you can grab some plus 10 or 9.5 on the Packers, I think you can cash a ticket. But I also like San Fran here in any seven-point teaser combination. If you can get them below that key number of three down to 2.5, I think you might be able to win both those bets. Interesting. All right, you're doing a couple of teasers here. Haven't heard you say that, at least with us, much at all, if, if at all, uh, this year. But a, a couple of them rolling in. I, I find it fascinating that both teams coming off a of bye, Baltimore and San Francisco, actually do have three home losses this year where teams who were forced to play a week ago and will play at home again this week uh, in, in Detroit and uh, in, in Buffalo only have two home losses. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but uh, to me that is uh, intriguing. Philly uh, Godfather, tell us our listeners out there how they can get a hold of you and all your plays. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Philly Godfather. You can stop by the website, thephillygodfather.com. All right, let's get to this game now. Tampa at Detroit. First off, is this just another week or – do you take into consideration the shorter week for Tampa Bay, who played on Monday? Yeah, you have to a little bit, man. It takes a little time to recover. Uh, and if you just look at what the market did, line, lines opened up five and a half offshore, and now the price has reached that key number of seven. So some early sharp money attacked the screen and laid some five and a half with Dan Campbell's team as soon as that number popped. So 
So they definitely took that in consideration. I personally didn't bet the side yet, but I did bet the over 48 and a half on the total. Mm. I mean, both pass defenses are ranked in the basement of the NFL and the opponent yards for pass attempt. And I think they can light it up this week in the dome. I mean, there's not going to be any weather there. Offensively, both teams have so many playmakers. I mean, and, and let's be honest, both quarterbacks this season, I mean, Goff and Mayfield, maybe uh, two of the best in the NFL this year. You look at their numbers. Uh, defensively, both teams are ranked outside the top 15 in sack percentage. So I think both uh, quarterbacks are going to have some time to throw the ball and make some things happen. Um, if anything, I like the Lions here in the teaser, if you can get them down to a pick them. But I, I went over pretty big here, over 48 and a half. All right, on the carpet indoors, by the over 48 and a half, that is Tampa Bay visiting Detroit. That is the first game on Sunday. And then game number four, it's obviously the second game on Sunday. First time ever, Patrick Mahomes has to play a road playoff game. Yeah, he's played in Super Bowls, but a true road playoff game. Kansas City goes to Buffalo. Yeah, and I might be on an island on this one. I mean, I'm going up against the hottest team in the NFL. Buffalo's won six of the last seven, uh, seven of the last eight. And then only loss came to Philly where uh, uh, Elliott kicked a 60-yard field goal in the rain to send it to overtime. But I took some Chiefs here, plus three. I give a slight edge to Mahomes over uh, Allen at quarterback. I think there's a huge edge, in my opinion, Andy Reid over McDermott. And the Bills are really banged up heading into this game. The Chiefs have a plus-10 SIC health score over the Bills this week. The Bills lost another starting cornerback uh, in that Steelers game. And all year, I mean, I, you know, I hear people talk about this Chiefs offense isn't as good as it used to be this season, and they've got some issues scoring. And that may be true, but when it comes to the defense, I mean, the Chiefs ranked eighth in red zone defense, fourth in opponent yards for play, number one in sack percentage, and number two in opponent yards for pass. I like the Chiefs here plus three. I also went under 46 on the total as well. Uh, I'm really expecting both the Chiefs and Bills to run the ball a ton here, considering both the Chiefs and Bills' defense have had issues stopping the run all season and ranked in the basement of the NFL and uh, stopping the, uh, the run. I like the Chiefs here plus three. I think the game's a coin flip, and if you're giving me three points, I'll take the dog every time, and I like the under 46. All right. Hey, your connections in Philadelphia. Is Nick Suriani going to survive this? Man, you know, you hear so many different reports, and, you know, I, I even heard one guy go on uh, go on my buddy Dan Silio's show a couple weeks ago and say the analytics department really game plans everything before the game starts. So, I mean, what's Sirianni really doing? Is he just calling timeouts out there? I, I know he lost half of the locker room. I got friends, you know, that, that actually, you know, close to the team. Yeah. Uh, a lot of issues with Jalen Hurts. He's isolated himself over, like, the last six weeks. There's a lot of stuff going on in that locker room. And I, personally, I would have bet, bet against him surviving. I, I think he's fired. Mm, even after losing both coordinators, that, that'll be intriguing. We'll see. All right, uh, Philly Godfather, uh, once again, your information out there for our listeners. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Philly Godfather. You can stop by the phillygodfather.com. Always a lot of fun, sir. Have a great night, and uh, best of luck in your place. Good luck, and I also bet the Ravens to win the Super Bowl at plus 310 yesterday. Plus 310, Baltimore to win it all. There he goes. Thank you, Philly Godfather. I'll talk to you guys. Very, and it, you know what I was just talking about is, um, you know, with, with our conversation with Dave Wydell, coaches who scream, they're few and far between. Nick Sirianni's a screamer. I, I tweeted this out on Monday, and it was true. If you were to follow the camera during the game, every single time they showed Todd Bowles, he never talked. His lips never moved. He just 
he's got a headset on, but he's not talking. And every time they show Nick Sirianni, the man is screaming. He's screaming and he's spitting. And I, I just don't think that today's athlete, today's coddled athlete, responds to that anymore. The firm disciplinarian is gone. And especially with Nick Saban, gone. And, you know, Bill Belichick, uh, he's going to probably end up in Atlanta, could end up in Dallas. He's going to coach for two years, maybe three, you know, get the record and get in, and that'll be it. Um, you know, here's one right here. here. Here's a guy, the 0148, taking me down through what's wrong, screaming at football. I remember when, I, when the Dolphins hired Jimmy Johnson one day. I, I went to watch training camp. Uh, disappointed me and Joe Green was no longer there. But, you know, talking about yelling and screaming and, and all of this type of stuff. All right, well, that was 20-some-odd years ago. You, you can't do that anymore. Today's players are mentally soft, emotionally soft, not physically. They're stronger now than they've ever been, mentally. You, you can't do it. And I was just talking to JJ about this off-air. It's people my age. It's our fault. <laughs> we were so soft on them. Every generation wants to make it easier on those um, that we parent, right? So that's why we have the transfer portal. That's why we have kids. Oh, you're getting benched. Oh, pick up your ball. Quit. Go to another school. Oh, someone at your place of employment. Maybe you're in the service industry or whatever. They looked at you wrong or gave you corrective criticism. You're like, screw that. I quit. That's the, it applies even in the NFL. You can't yell and scream. Look at that when Tom Coughlin tried to get old school and tough. You know, bringing up Jalen Ramsey and whoever that needed to be there during the voluntary. You can't do it anymore. You just, you can't. It's going to backfire. It is. I mean, you talk about those who now run the asylum. It, it, you cannot do it. And I'm just... I'm not tooting, uh, you know, I'm not tooting my own horn here and coming out and saying, oh, it isn't rough and tough the way. It, it's not. It's not. The players fought for their rights, the collective bargaining, the players' union. They don't hit anymore. There's no more two-a-days. There's more time off. Old school's gone. Old school's dead. And... I, I don't know how you're going to fix it. All right. You want to share a thought on that? You can. Absolutely. Let's get ready for our second hour. 641-1010. Best way for you to join us. That is our text line. It's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. That was a real busy hour. Do appreciate it. both Dave Waddell and the Philly Godfather. Good stuff. We got plenty of time to get to you this hour during the program. Uh, do want to remind you that this weather is going to get warm before you know it. And that's a good thing. I want you to try Cimarron. I was with a buddy today, uh, Ken Brady and myself, with a um, good buddy of mine, Andy, today. And I said, Cimarron, quick, what comes to mind? He's like, ugh. You know, golf course in need of a, a lot of work. Ugly. And I said, when's the last time you've been there? It's a couple of years. I said, oh, new ownership. 
they poured tons of money into it. The greens are fantastic. Redid the fairways, tee boxes, pa- uh, practice range, indoor, outdoor clubhouse. Very affordable rates. Give it a shot. And I continuously ask you to go out there and give it a try and let me know. I've yet to receive even the slightest negative remark. I wouldn't be promoting this if it wasn't uh, worthy, okay? If the change wasn't as I just stated. So give it a shot and let me know. 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Good folks over at Cimarron really putting some hard work into it. And, yes, they are absolutely still uh, affiliated with the 210 Mafia. All right. A lot of stuff on coaching. Sitting here kicking it around on the break. It's so hard to coach. I've always said it. It's, it's just brutal, especially nowadays because of the sensitivity of today's athlete. But what is and who is uh, anywhere close to being the perfect coach or even the best coach? You know, the shine is off Bill Belichick. Uh, Pete Carroll, the consummate players coach, relieved of his duties. Mike Tomlin just walked away from a press conference. Apparently, he's going to come back. He hasn't won a playoff game since 2016. All right? Andy Reid is probably the go-to because Kansas City every year is in an AFC championship game or they're they're in a Super Bowl. I, I, I think that John Harbaugh remains somewhat underrated. I, I really feel that way. But where do you go after that? We've had eight coaching firings this year, and it's still up for debate as whether or not McCarthy loses his gig in Dallas and Sirianni loses his job in Philadelphia. I, I, I think there has to be some credence to losing your offensive and defensive coordinator. Both went on. I mean, look at the job Steichen did uh, this year, uh, you know, with the Indianapolis Colts. But, you know, when I first began, when I first was able to retain, when I was able to comprehend at least somewhat the game, it was a running league. And it was a league where you thought of the coach before the team. Don Shula and the Dolphins, Chuck Knoll and the Steelers, Tom Landry and the Cowboys, Bill Walsh and the 49ers, Mike Ditka and the Bears, Right. It just got Bud Grant, you know, Chuck, Chuck Knock. It just went on and on and on and on. That, that's the way it was. Nowadays, never. And I think the one you just lost probably was still far and away number one, Belichick and the Patriots. And it was always Belichick and Brady or Brady and Belichick. And the it's been Belichick. So you don't think about it in that way any longer. And, and that's cool, okay? That's, that's fine. I'm not trying to bring back those days. But one of the most difficult questions I could honestly ask any NFL fan, if you were a general manager and I said, go out and get the best coach in the game, who in the heck would it be? Where would you go? I don't think any of you would go the college route because we've seen failure after failure after failure. I mean, Pete Carroll did it. Jimmy Johnson did it. Barry Switzer did it. 
Those are your three with Super Bowl rings and national championships. Pete Carroll was like the eighth or ninth choice at USC. Pete Carroll also had prior experience in the NFL before he went to USC. He was with the Jets and the Patriots. Harbaugh may come back, all right? For every Harbaugh, there's an Urban Meyer, there's a Matt Rule, there's a Greg Schiano. I mean, it just doesn't work. Are you still going to go the college route? You may. Are you going to go the NFL route? Are you going to go Andy Reid at, at his age? I have to look up Andy. He may be older than I perceive. What do you think Andy is, 66, 67? Yeah, I uh, got it. He's 65, about to be 66 in Okay. March. Trump Polky picked up the phone. If Shot Khan picked up the phone right now and said, JJ, that JJ with Salva, I want you to hire any coach in football. I'm going to give you $25 million a year to get it done, to give to this coach. You can hire any coach. Who are you hiring? Um, in the NFL, I think it's easy. I think it's Andy Reid for the reasons you said, not only because he's an offensive genius, which he is, and this league is all about throwing, but because he is laid back, he seems to be a player's coach, and that's sort of what you need in this league, but he also has massive amounts of respect from everyone in this league, player-wise, because he's been around forever and he's wins. So I think he's got the laid-back-enough attitude to coach these players of today he also has the respect level where he can like put his foot down when he has to. And number one, he's the best offensive play caller in the league. Tough to argue with your point. I think the only issue I'd have is how much longer does he want to do this? Exactly. Because he's been a head coach now for like what, 25 years? He had 12 or 13 and in Philly, and he's, I, I think this is like year 12 in Kansas City. So crazy. Yeah, started in 1999 as a head right. coach for the Eagles. And, you know, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to go, uh, who's the one who make the big deal? It was, it was Bayless about the weight. Yeah, uh, I, don't McCarthy. Wanna, I don't want a coach who's fat. Yeah. I'm not going to go that way. That's the way always Andy Reid has been. But I, I think health problems could be an issue in the future. Yeah, there's, there's no question. It, it, it comes to mind. It has to. Kyle Shanahan? That's a good one, man. That's tough to argue. Uh, he just hasn't won anything yet. And I really don't know anything about his, like, you know, is he a laid-back guy? He certainly seems like it. I just look at what he did last year, who he won with. Yeah, he's win-win now. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, crazy. It, Doug Peterson began his season-ending press conference a couple of weeks ago, showing up 30-some-odd minutes late to it, which is, by the way, totally Bush League. And for him to do that and then say, we're not going to make any excuses, and then 10 seconds later say, well, our offensive line was injured the entire year, the left side. Uh, those are excuses. All right, Coach Shanahan had so many injuries last year in San Francisco. Yet he adapted to that. Um, you know, Sean McVay, it felt like a year ago was going away for Sean McVay. Kind of, you know, resurrected his career, although they, they lost. They got knocked out in the first round. Yeah. 
you know, some of these younger guys, Mike McDaniel, no. Uh, it just, I don't know. There's something about it. I think, you know, going into this year, whether you want to believe it or not, going into this year, Doug Peterson is considered a top 10 coach. He has a Super Bowl. He won in a very difficult place in Philadelphia. And he totally rebuilt this organization after what Urban Meyer did with it. He deserves a lot of credit there. If you listen to what Dave Wydell said, the problem that Doug has is he's loyal, man. He's loyal. And that's so, oh, man, that's got to be so hard to, to business owners, to general managers, to vice presidents. Obviously, there are not coaches in the everyday uh, business world. But if you got a guy you like, you got a guy who works hard uh, but just doesn't get the job done and – you know, from up above, you're told you got to make a change, just how hard that is. The one defense I will give Doug Peterson is he has said since he got here, he wants stability and he wants continuity, particularly that offensive staff. And he did lose Jim Bob Cooter, right? Lost him and, um, you know, made the change with holes coming in, but you never really heard much. It was always Press Taylor, Mike McCoy, Doug Peterson, C.J. Beathard, Trevor Lawrence. That's the room. Those five remain the same. And I do believe that that is important. Even though they regressed mightily, uh, they did. But there's so many things that you need to look at with that. Could the play calling be better? Sure. They couldn't run. Is that scheme related? Is it because of a bad offensive line? Is the offensive line scheme not up to date? Are they doing too much zone blocking when it should be gap blocking? Are they doing too much gap when it should be zone? Should there be a little bit more man-to-man? I asked Dave Wydell that. He said, you've got to do with what you have best as far as your personnel. Okay, who controls the chess match? The offense or the defense? Why did it feel like it didn't matter who Jacksonville was going against? Their offensive run scheme was based on what was in front of them defensively. Aren't great teams so good that they can force defenses to make changes because of what you're doing offensively? We don't hear enough about that. We do in basketball. You know, we for those who follow hockey, you can go to the bore and back of the neutral zone trapping and, and everything along those lines to – you know, trying to maybe get a dirty goal by, by if you're trailing, you know, pinching your defenseman. You, you change things scheme-wise. I don't hear enough of that around here. I hear everything in the defensive backfield, going in the nickel, going in the dime, 3-4. You know, should it be a 4-3? It's really interchangeable nowadays because of the nickel. I never hear enough about a defensive front seven forcing your offensive line to change what they do best. Do you? Maybe I'm just listening and not reading. Maybe I'm missing out on it. I'm not BSing you when I tell you that I talk to these people, and and this is the part that remains the most confusing to me. It's the one part of football that is really hard to break down. What the, and I have no idea how pro football focus 
uh, or any type of analytics fit into that? I don't have an answer for that. But wouldn't it be great to have a big, imposing offensive line, a big, strong, physical offensive line? You're just going to line up and run? Oh, you're playing one of those hybrid defenses, huh? Blitzing outside edge. Okay, watch this. Hand off the ETN. Has five, has seven, has eight. Second and two. The give is the ETN. First down. Come on. That's what it's all about. Oh, no, no. My fantasy guy is this. I need three touchdowns. I need three. Screw that. Run the ball. You run the ball, everything falls into place. What is it? Uh, I don't do the fast food. Every time I drive by Chick-fil-A, man, that place is packed. Okay? It works. It's simple. Whatever they're doing, it works. No matter what time I visit or drive by Chick-fil-A, it's packed. Simple. Whatever they do, it works. Run the ball, man. Run it. Dominate everything downhill. You talk to offensive linemen, man, their eyes will fall out of their head when you tell them if they're going to run, 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 run. I've never in my life spoken to an offensive lineman who has told me they would rather pass block than run block. They love to run block. They know exactly where the ball is going. They know exactly what their job is. That is where you dominate football games. You're going to see Baltimore on Saturday. They lead the league in rushing. And what do they do? They just added Dalvin Cook. You think he's ready? Dalvin Cook's been left on a milk carton all year long. That's what I want. That's what I'm going to holler about every single day. And I don't think you can fix everything at once. I am willing to sacrifice defensively to better your offense. This is going to be such a big year for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you better figure it out. Is he the guy or is he not the guy? There's more doubt now than there was a year ago. At least give the guy an offensive line. Give the guy a rushing attack. And I don't want to hear, well, Travis Etienne went over 100 yards, uh, you know, 1,000. I don't care what he averaged, 3.7 a carry, 3.8 a carry? Change it. Fix it. Bill Rousher was thought of as one of the, you know, young, hot commodity. And then when he got here, he's like, oh, we're interchangeable. I want the best five I can find. We're going to mix. We're going to match. Um, again, it's the one part of the game that I don't have a clear answer for you. I, I, I wish I could say it's his fault. I lean more towards it's Balky's fault. He hasn't gotten enough quality players here. And they've missed. They missed on Barch. It looks like they may have missed on Walker Little. I, I don't, I mean, here it is again. I rewind the tapes from last year. Rewind the tapes from two years ago. I can't wait for an offseason where I'm going to say something. It's going to sound a little bit like this. Hmm. I wonder if Walker Little can play. It's only year four now. 
You don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. Work him all the time at right tackle, but he never plays right tackle. He plays left tackle. He plays four great games at left tackle. You slot him over to the left guard. He gets injured after 11 plays. And after that, his play significantly went down when Cam got hurt. Yeah, that's frustrating. That's absolutely frustrating for you as a fan. But here we are. You don't know if he can play, do you? I don't do the surveys and the questions and that. If I threw it out there right now, it would be amazing the percentage that would say, I don't care what it costs, keep Cam here. Others would say, no, 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 let him go. You need that $17,750,000 to go elsewhere. Put Little there. We don't know. And And that's on them. Okay, you got to decide on a franchise quarterback. You got to decide, and <laughs> I don't care if it's SIS. I don't care if it's PFF. I don't care what ESPNs. I don't care what category of numbers I look at. The Jaguars' offensive line is awful. I, I can't even begin to to disguise it. It'd be a bald-faced lie. There's nothing good I can say about the Jaguars' offensive line. Not not one thing. And if you're going to say sacks, well, Trevor, his escape ability is pretty fantastic. And by the way, it was a, a high for him this year in sacks. He ended up with 35. 641-1010, best way for you to get on in. That is the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. <laughs> Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, it's got a text. Some friends out right now at the Blue Crab Crab House. Dollar oysters on Wednesday. One dollar. Right off of San Jose, Julington Creek Road. It is the Blue Crab Crab House. Each and every Wednesday. One dollar oysters. I, this guy's got to be messing with me. Which is allowed. Uh, the fifty-five twenty-four says, uh, "Baloo, Trevor Lawrence still made the Pro Bowl as a reserve, so a season wasn't that bad." Troll. Yep, I said stop it, please. <laughs> um, but if you just listen to me, how many times did I say? Get an offensive line so you can figure out whether or not he is the guy. Give him what he needs. You provided enough skill position, guys. This league, you you need the offensive line. Give him that. And then we'll be able to tell. At least in my world, uh, we will be able to tell. Uh, 0135 Blue offensive line right now is composed of all second-rate players that everyone else uh, uses a cast-off, and we picked up on waivers. Uh, not really. No. A lot of draftable guys in that offensive line. You drafted your left tackle. You drafted your center. You drafted your right tackle. Your main swing guy, Walker Little, was drafted. Ben Barch was cut. He's playing now in San Francisco. You used the draft pick there. 
Uh, Tyler Shatley is your swing offensive interior lineman. He was uh, an undrafted free agent who's played, what, nine, ten years now with this organization. Really the guy that, you know, you brought in was was Brandon Sheriff. You didn't make that late-season deal with Ezra Cleveland. There's another one that's that's really disturbing to me is that, I'm, <clears throat> you know, people are now starting to write about all the free agents that this team has and and who on this roster, you know, should Jacksonville resign? And I'm, I'm seeing a lot here on Ezra Cleveland. And I'm like, what am I missing here? Did, did Ezra Cleveland really show anyone out there enough where you want to sign him and bring him back as your, sta- as your starting left guard? If, if <clears throat> you could get him, you know, on the cheap, if that makes any sense. If you could get him because day after day goes by during free agency and all of a sudden you're heading towards the draft and it's clear that he's not really a... Although I have seen some top 100 lists, free agency lists, and after Josh Allen and you know Calvin Ridley, in most cases, Ezra Cleveland's third on the Jaguars as far as a, a free agent. Trying not to talk out of both sides of my mouth here. I'm just I'm just speculating though. I, I'm not going to overpay. And if you were to bring back Ezra Cleveland, it's almost like okay, well, bringing you back, but you're in competition. Still going to address it in the draft. That make any sense? For those who are wondering, uh, as far as free agents, unrestricted free agents. Obviously, you know, Josh Allen is the most important. Then the situation with Ridley, which they can control, you know, with either a second or third round draft pick, depending on what they end up doing as far as a long-term contract extension or just allowing him to go, right? You could still put a franchise tag on him, which to me makes absolutely zero sense. He's the one guy in this football team you cannot put a franchise tag on. You can't do it. He needs the practice. He needs to be on the same page with his offense. Yeah, a couple of defensive linemen, Dewan Smoot, Caleb on Chase on. My guess is they're both gone. Smoot may give you a massive discount, but, you know, they brought him back and he wasn't the same. Uh, Agnew's another wide receiver. I'm not bringing him back. He gets injured too much. I love him. He's explosive. He can make big plays but I think he costs too much. You know, Trey Herndon, I don't think so. I I, I I feel comfortable that, you know, Darius Williams and Tyson Campbell and Buster Brown, those are your top three corners. And, and Antonio Johnson's going to move in now as a safety with Andre Sisco. I think they'll end up cutting Rayshon Jenkins. I believe that. Well, we're talking about free agents here. Uh, obviously, with Cleveland, you have a uh, Tyler Shatley is a uh, is an offensive lineman who is a free agent. Uh, you got some running backs on here. Dearness Johnson, I, I really pumped him up. I I thought that I thought it was going to work, and it didn't. That's disappointing. I think Shaq Quarterman's gone as a linebacker. You know, couldn't get on the field defensively. Yeah, he's a good special teams guy. 
And maybe the injury to Daniel Thomas was somewhat of a blessing in disguise. Maybe they can get him for a little bit less. He's a gunner. He's important. He is a good special teams player. But I'm sure at this point in his career, as a special teams only player, he's probably going to want to go where he can get the best opportunity as far as uh, as far as money. I, I, I don't think he figures in to anyone as far as his defense. He, he's a liability when he's on the field. He's very good at special teams, though. And that's it. Angelo Blackson, you know, Matt Barkley, they brought in late. Brandon McManus went through that tough stretch. Not going to overpay him. Those are your unrestricted free agents. Restricted, I don't think they'll bring any back. Van Lannan, Hans, Caleb Johnson, exclusive rights free agents. Uh, I, I can see him bringing back Gregory Jr. But Tim Jones, no. Jalen Moore, no. Jeremiah Ledbetter did a couple of nice things here and there. Again, it all comes down to what you can get him for. And, you know, those those are bottom of the roster guys. Those are typically players that, you're not going to try to get done uh, at least this early. That'll be later down the road. 73-93, Baloo, the Jags missed out, should have drafted Evan Neal. He, you know what? He struggled at times. Uh, Iquanu, I think he allowed the most sacks this year at left tackle in Carolina. It hasn't been perfect. It's hard. But I'm not going to pull away from what I said all along, I never would have drafted Trayvon Walker. I would have drafted one of those two offensive linemen. I'm not going to lie to you now. I've only said it a hundred times. Right or wrong. I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. But I can tell you right now, my blood's going to boil this year. Unless they do something in free agency. If we're getting up at 17 and I start seeing these wide receivers and stuff again. Man, you it, it is so simple. Just get it done. Offensive and defensive line. We haven't even gone to the defensive line. They're going to lose Big Foley. They're going to lose RRH. You know, Dewan Smoot. Those are three that are definitely gone. Devon Hamilton, what a disaster. He was the best defensive lineman in the month of August. He was the best defensive lineman in camp before the injury. You know, you're going to lean on, is Tyler Lacey going to make that incredible second year um, improvement? Do you feel that that is the case? You, you got to stop the run. How? How How are they going to do that with the bodies they have? And they, they've overpaid for those players. And, and you're not getting the production. Yeah, I, I, I don't think... The division is going to be like it's been the last couple of years where this was truly out of the eight. This was the one division where it felt like you needed to stop the run first. The combination of Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor and rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, that kind of felt like that was the blueprint. But that's going to change. These rookie quarterbacks are in year two. Henry may not return. Did you watch that game? I don't even know if we talked about this on air. When, when Instead of cutting it up and getting the first down, Taylor ran out of bounds for Indianapolis. Do you know what I'm talking about? Late oh, week 18? Quarter? Or you're yeah. talking about the last week of the game? Against yeah. Houston. 
before the drop pass. It was they like also on... decided to they they were so scared of Houston getting the ball back and scoring that they were like taking all the time down on that last drive. They let the clock go all the way down on fourth down and then called a timeout instead of you know trying to get the ball back. He had and such it, a great game, and he had he ran for like 120 yards in the first half, and. He was just electrifying, but with the game on the line, I want to say it was like second, it was like second and eight, and he picked up six. But instead of cutting it up and getting the first down, he ran out of bounds and made it third and two. And then they failed on third and two and fourth and two. Remember, they didn't have him on the field on fourth down. They threw to a, a backup running back. Who dropped it? It wasn't a great throw, but no. Let's take our final break of the night. We're with you again tomorrow night and Friday night, 6 to 8 o'clock each and every night. We call it Into the Night. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. All right, some great stuff going on right now at Key Buick GMC. The lot is full, brand new 2024s. Still some brand new uh, 2023s or never used uh, 2023 vehicles, I should say. Uh, proud owner I am, longtime owner of the uh, Key GMC Sierra truck and the GF in her Key Buick Enclave. Make sure you give them a visit right across the street from Tinseltown. That is on Southside and Gate. The lot is full. Uh, plenty to choose from right now at Key Buick uh, GMC. All right, a few things that are happening today in the world of sports. Florida State gets another running, uh, excuse me, another quarterback. Uh, they made a, a move today, went out and got a three-star, 6'3", 190. Trevor Jackson, I guess he had given the variable to Mississippi. He's out of Winter Garden. So he has already signed, and he is taking classes. So uh, another move there uh, for Florida State at quarterback, where obviously DJ Uyunga Laley is going to be the starter. And uh, you got the kid out of Savannah. You've got Brock Glenn. Now you can add to it another quarterback in Trevor Jackson. I I was kind of hoping to get into this, but we were just too busy uh, today with talking about the Jaguars. Maybe we'll get into it tomorrow, uh, if not on Friday. Uh, Hold that thought just one second. All right, this is from Adam Schefter. Uh, a lot of speculation about what would happen with the Cowboys after their first-round loss. Dallas is not making a head coaching change, and the Cowboys' Mike McCarthy is returning for the 2024 season. So that means a lot. Yes. What that means is Bill Pars- uh, excuse me, Bill Belichick will go to Atlanta and – that means the defensive coordinator position. There's talk that tomorrow Ryan Nielsen is interviewing here in Jacksonville. Okay. There's been a reported four or five different coaches who have interviewed, including Wink Martindale. Um, you know, Marquan Manuel is supposed to come in uh, tomorrow and interview. He is a former defensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons. Doug Peterson actually had him on his staff as a defensive backs coach back in Philadelphia in, uh, in, in 2020. But a few coaches have interviewed, and Ryan Nielsen now 
is allowed to interview wherever. So you would expect that that is going to happen with Jackson. A little bit surprised. I I thought the Jerry Jones, Bill Belichick situation was going to be just incredible. I really did. And and you talk about a love or hate, that would have been awesome, I, I thought, just for the league. Going to Atlanta, okay, we'll see. And, you know, it could be another surprise situation. What if Nick Suriani is let go in Philadelphia? Will this decision here by, you know, who knows? Um, it could have been a situation where Philadelphia was waiting to see what Dallas did. You know, will we hear now that this has been announced, would you be shocked if Nick Suriani is fired tonight or tomorrow and that they make a run at, uh, at Bill Belichick? Or is he signed with the Atlanta Falcons? Uh, do not know the answer uh, to that particular question. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. All right, Hacker Nation is up. Florida State, Miami playing hoops right now. Florida State basketball got off to a slow start, but they've gotten better, right, in the last couple of games. 43-30 right now, the Knowles. They're a a six-and-a-half-point dog. You know Leonard Hamilton and and, and Christ. You know what? I'm just going to leave it alone. My, my mother, rest rest in peace. She told me long, 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 long time ago, if you can't say anything nice about anyone, don't say anything at all. Here's what I'm going to do with Florida State this year. <laughs> Nothing? Crickets? Not a word. Yeah. I'm not going to say a word. I'm just not. Yeah, they've played better basketball as of late. I think they won four in a row. Their last loss was a tough one. They allowed Limscombe. Uh, to get them. Well, yeah, I was in Tallahassee. I mean, Florida beat Florida State in basketball this year, but I had to get that off my chest last night. The University of Florida athletic program might as well be Mississippi State now. They don't go to bowl games in football. They don't make the NCAA tournament in basketball. They are a below-average SEC football program. They are a below-average SEC basketball program. Baseball, they're good. They're good in baseball, yeah, I guess. And I hear they're pretty good in gymnastics, right? So I guess it's not all a lost cause. Golf national champs. There you go. But football and men's basketball, it is uh, – right now it's a sad state of affairs in Gainesville, Florida. I, I saw that you guys won a fishing national championship. I, I don't doubt it. I, well, anything other than football and men's basketball were probably – Pretty solid, and unfortunately, those are the main two that I uh, that I care about. Do you know if it was live bait or lures? <laughs> I, I do not know that, as a matter of fact. Although my four-year-old, well, I was telling Lagerman last week, uh, boy, Little Hack's really getting into fishing. I mean, really, which is ironic because I have nothing to do with fishing. But he goes out, fishes in the pond every afternoon, man. He absolutely loves it. I went uh, deep-sea fishing with Lagerman and, uh, and Captain Kevin Favor. Oh, man, this probably would have been 96, 97. We didn't go that far out. We just went off St. Augustine, and and um, they started chumming the waters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Oh yeah. And, and you're was, thinking Jaws is coming. Oh, I know? was like, you know, and I, you know, I, and, and it wasn't at the time. It wasn't the biggest boat ever, but I remember I brought, you know, like a couple cases of beer. I had another buddy with me, and in, in the boat, and I never got seasick or anything like that. But I, all of a sudden, I start seeing fins and all of it. <laughs> yeah. I just started draining. Beer after beer after beer. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Now. You were making sure they had the barrels on the boat? I was you know? just standing in the middle of the boat. Yeah. and um, But anyway, that that was then. I don't I don't believe they've asked me back since. <laughs> but anyway, 
What's uh, what's going on tonight? Yeah, a lot of Jaguar talk. We're gonna have former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts coming up here in about uh, about eight twenty or so to talk not only about the Jaguars, but he lives in Houston. He does a lot of work for the Texans. That city is on fire about that team coming up on Saturday against Baltimore. We'll also have Brian Sexton of Jaguars.com. And I'm going to change my tone from the last week and a half. I'm going to try to focus on some of the positives that happened this Jaguar football season. I've been very negative for the last seven shows. Tonight, I'm going to try to put a little positive spin as much as I can on the Jaguar 2023 campaign. All right, sounds good. So all that beginning right now with Hacker Nation. That's going to do it for us. We are back here tomorrow, 6 to 8. That'll be Friday night, 6 to 8. Thank you to Dave Wydell. Thank you to the Philly Godfather. Thank you to JJ LaSelva. My name is Rick Boy. I don't check the text line. If you want to get a hold of me now that the show is over, the best way to do it is on Twitter or X. You can get me Baloo1010XL. That'll do it. Tomorrow night, we'll talk at 6 o'clock right here on your home of the Jets.